Hello and welcome back to the Couch Sheep Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker, and I'm joined, as always, by Matt Sage Burning Chamberlain. How you doing, Matt? I mean, I need to be burning something, but it's not Sage um, right now. It's it, it is good to be here, Ryan. Coming off spring break, so we had a yeah. little hiatus again. Um, I again still do enjoy a good spring break, um, albeit not overly exciting. Relaxing though relaxing is what we're going for nowadays yeah yeah um i for sure uh enjoyed our all-star break is what i'll call it Um, yeah you know we just got to take a break at some point lebron does it every every star does it in the league and the podcast has to do it too occasionally you know so the culture yeah we gotta we gotta do what uh other people are doing at this point you know uh, but that's good. That's good. How are you feeling about your March Mad- uh, bracket, March Madness bracket? How are you feeling? So the one that? I entered into our uh, little league struggling, mm-hmm. I, I made two. I only made two. Yeah. This year. Mm-hmm. One of them is in like the 97th percentile. Killing it. Is that the one I entered into our group? Nope. Sure not. <laughs> did you uh, Did you have ORU getting the sweet 16? Because I don't think anybody had that. And did, I did not. That, so that was the, the sexy upset pick. And I was like, I can't do it. I just can't. <laughs> and so they, it's it's funny for people who don't know Matt and I personally, we both live in the Tulsa area. If you don't know, ORU is located in the Tulsa area. And so I don't know if you're seeing it, but I'm seeing it a lot of like just these random ORU memes now. <laughs> I I'm I'm kind of here for it. Let's get I mean, not that I'm a big ORU fan on or off the court, but uh I'm here. I'm here for it overall right now. Yeah, it's a little exciting. I mean, Tulsa being as big as as it is, uh, it doesn't feel like the city has been affected at all. Like it's it's not like a college town where you know, like if we were in Stillwater, the place would be bumping if it was like a Sweet Sixteen or even Elite Eight. Yeah, here it's a it's a good newspaper headline. That's about it for the people that still read the newspaper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. The old Way farther than any other Oklahoma team, though. So that's true, and farther than any other Big Twelve team, apparently. Because <laughs> <laughs> that that was a disaster. Basketball the Big Twelve started. Struggling. Yeah, the Big Twelve started the weekend really well, and then just took a nosedive towards the end. Apparently, the Pac twelve just Bill Walton speaking things into existence in March Madness. Yeah, I do. I really don't understand it. And this is coming from someone that watches too much college basketball, even though it's very unappealing to the eyes because I'm trying to look for draft prospects. The Pac-12 was not that good this year. I promise. Or- Oregon was uh, underseeded. They should have been higher, straight up. I legit Apparently, Oregon State, too, was underseeded. Oregon State was trash all year and then somehow figured out how to play defense in February. It's crazy. Won like seven of their last eight games. Um, it's it's remarkable that college teams have so much just like variance that like literally like one good week of practice focusing on defense and it's like oh got it and now like they're winning the Pac-12 tournament in Oregon State's case or like Syracuse again the zone thing but like again one like good week or Georgetown again over in the Big East. One good week, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, cool, our season's saved. Let's go on a magical run here. It's and like it's, an NBA, like, you can't just like have like one or two good practices and be like, all right, the ship is righted. 
right in college that's just how it is though it's crazy college basketball frustrating yeah for well there's many reasons college basketball is frustrating Um, number one's the refs but uh number two is just college kids being college kids a hundred percent a hundred percent and that's the ironic thing is like i have stopped watching college basketball i haven't i think i've mentioned it a couple times on this podcast but I just like refuse to watch college basketball a lot for what you just touched on. Those two things is like, this team should be awesome and it's not. And then the refs have just absolutely ruined some awesome games, even early on in this tournament. Um, it's and kind of a disaster. It's a, it is a disaster. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter. I think I texted you like several times that this past weekend, which just complaining about referees and I, I like, I do it occasionally, but I'm not like, I feel like I'm not, all the time uh complaining about refs and good lord there were like 800 charges called and like can we stop can we hold a (laughs) zoom conference call with all these refs these are not charges matt like straight up things in charge ryan they're (laughs) they're not charges i've never seen so many charge calls in a basketball game in my entire life they legitimately have been calling like and just imagine if this was a thing in the nba if like there were like four times as many charges as there were blocking calls (laughs) We would be reviewing everything all the time, <laughs> like all the time. And th- that's the thing I was watching. I switched to like NBA, watching NBA games last night and I saw someone just bowl into a guy who I thought was pretty set. And I was like, oh, they're going to call like they're going to call that. No call. No call. And I was like, oh, my God, we can play on. That's a thing. <laughs> that's a thing that happens. The idea of play on is not not true in college basketball. It's like the refs don't think these kids flop. Like they actually think they're getting a shoulder to the chest every single yeah. time. I mean, maybe when it's you're 165 pounds at like six foot four, you're like just more inclined to fall down. Maybe that's part of it too. These I don't know. I don't know. I, I we we grew up watching mid 2000s college basketball, and that was not the case. <laughs> you you're right. You're right. That's why. While March Madness is is fun, the NBA is as a and you know, entire entity, a better product. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. But The NBA is the best, best league in all of sports. Don't at me. True. Um, anyways, that's enough March Madness talk. We talked a lot about March Madness. Uh, if you haven't followed us yet on our social media, go ahead and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. If you search for couch GM podcast, you'll find us and just give us a follow there. We would greatly appreciate, appreciate it. And also give us a rating and review on the podcast platform of your choice. If you haven't yet, give us a five-star rating and we'd greatly appreciate that as well. Matt, what did people miss in episode 103? Probably so long ago now. The NBA All-Star Game. But then the main topic was the hard truths. Uh, Giving some, some real talk to some teams or players that needed to hear it. And then for our league pass watches, uh, I said the Mavs, who currently sitting at 22-19, 4-3 um, since our last recording, since we did take the extra week off. Um, I Again, fun fun watch there. Luca pulled out some incredible passes. I don't know if you saw that against the Trailblazers, but my God, that guy can pass the ball like no one else. Um, I think was I watched the Clippers game. It was the Clippers game when I was on vacation. I stayed mm, up for mm. it and just given on the business. Yeah, he had he had a finisher against the Clippers where he no look alley Maxi Kleba, I think it was. 
and it was like it's like the number two on the maps right now also which is just incredible (laughs) and it was like oh my god this guy is just and he like threw his hand up like the are you not entertained guy um (laughs) from the movie i don't know even what movie it's called yeah uh sparta this is showing our age now matt (laughs) where all the entertainment people like oh my god these people are idiots uh anyways yeah and then you had the knicks currently sitting at 21 22 three and three since we last recorded fight new york knicks still in it emmanuel uh quickly got some starts there and that was fun to watch as he should as he should it's like when you have a really good young point guard, you should actually get him some starting minutes. Just throwing that out there, you know. Uh, again, always surprised that he got kind of Thibodeau's um, favor, considering defense is not uh, something that he's really played before. But nonetheless. Uh, well, you got to score the basketball at some point, and he does a lot of that. So Neither this nor that, Ryan. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I'll let you take over the news though. Cause it's been a busy week in the association. Oh boy. Okay. Well, I think the biggest piece of news coming out of this week and probably what everyone has heard and talked about so far is uh, LeBron's high ankle sprain, which leaves him out indefinitely. Uh, the early prognosis is three weeks, maybe longer. Um, and those high ankle sprains are not fun to watch. Matt, what do you think about these Lakers and what what position? I mean, without AD, without LeBron now, there's a lot of talk about this could be not circling the drain necessarily for the Lakers, but they could be in real danger of make, maybe being put in the plan. I mean, when you're who's who's their best player right now? Dennis Schroeder. Schroeder, yeah. Kyle Kuzma, maybe. Kuzma, KCP's in in the conversation, I guess. So when, not mantras, that's for sure. Yeah, no. So when you're thinking, okay, so we got those three plus some THT minutes, mm-hmm. Russo minutes, some Mark Gasol. I mean, if he can get back in, he's been dealing with COVID. Yeah. So again, this team, it's I I again we said this last year, never loved their depth. Adding shorter this year obviously very much helps, but never loved like the other guys here. Now your entire team is the other guys, right? Right. And so, I mean, they're going to get their chance. But if you told me by the time LeBron and or AD comes back, they're closer to the eight than they are the two, I I wouldn't be shocked at all. I don't know. Maybe maybe Schroeder can get the team a couple extra wins that maybe you think they shouldn't. Or Kuzma, who's been playing better, can get them – you know, an extra game that you wouldn't think they would get like, that would be a win, but like they've got to, I mean, I don't know if they can realistically say our goal is to be 500 with LeBron and 80 out. Yeah. I think I've heard some people estimate if they're out like 12 games, 12 more games, like three weeks that puts them into 12, 15 range and they go five and seven. Like that's a big win for them. I think so. But if there are more out that 15 game range and they end up going three and 12, that right. puts them more in the win percentage of like uh, Portland or uh, Dallas, I guess, who is at the bottom tier of the West um, around the eight. So I, it's a hard spot to be in for the Lakers. 
I think when they have all their players healthy, I th- still think they're one of the two best teams in the league and they're going to be really hard to beat. But if, if that's a huge, if, if they can get everyone back healthy, um, because high ankle sprains can last a lot longer than three weeks. I mean, LeBron's what? 35 like now, 36. Yeah. Something like that. Those injuries don't heal as quickly as they do when you're in your mid thirties than they do when you're in your mid twenties. So true. Ryan, is every ankle sprain now a high ankle sprain? Also, is that a thing? <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I turned my ankle in the kitchen just a little bit ago, and I think <laughs> I had an ankle sprain. Uh, I'm just kidding. I didn't turn my ankle. That would have been really great, though. Anyways, moving on from LeBron and the Lakers. Uh, another trade piece we've been talking about quite a bit over the last few years. Aaron Gordon has officially requested a trade from the Magic. This isn't much of a surprise. I don't think it's much of a surprise, Matt. How no, do you make- Yeah, not a surprise, but so one, I do think the magic, like they're kind of it, it feels like to the point of like we're not trading Vucevic, so he was like a guy. They they love Jonathan Isaac, even though he's hurt all the time. And therefore, like Aaron Gordon is a three four with absolutely no opportunity to play four. Yeah. So it's like I get why you want to keep him. He was, a, you know, like number six overall pick. You developed him. You've paid him. You've avoided this in the past, so you want to keep it going. But at some point, you got to cut it loose, right? Like if it's not really taking off. And I get why they're asking so much for him also. I'm not saying they're going to get it, but I yeah. get why they're asking so much for him. I think they've asked for what a young player and a first, like a, or some, or like two, like good first. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is, I mean, it's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow for any team when you're looking at the hall that like Drew Holiday got, or you know, what are these like Paul George? Like you, of course, right. teams like that's kind of the expected going price for these types of players. Now, I think it's also interesting. We'll get to these other guys here in a little bit, but. Aaron Gordon, like you touched on, is that in between three, four. So he's like a three and a half. And there's a couple of those guys who are on the trade market this year. And it's interesting to see the different values of those guys um, and how like we evaluate those players because there's a lot of a lot of guys who fit into that category um, who we don't know what their position is. It's a, between a three and four. And neither. Right. It, it's just a fascinating thing to kind of watch uh, a trend, I guess. And then uh, going into the deadline and and beyond into the draft. So, do you think Boston really wants Aaron Gordon, or is it this is one of the typical Boston's names getting thrown out there, and we'll see what shakes loose, which is probably nothing. I think Boston wants the idea of Aaron Gordon. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> uh like i think they really want like this four who's athletic can stretch stretch the floor a little bit play next to Jalen and jason play some good defense dunk the ball give them some playmaking i don't know if aaron gordon's that right fit though so you know niche nba twitter is like if aaron gordon wasn't on the magic we would look at him as uh you know maybe not first team, but all defensive type guy. We would view him, you know, more as a stretch for who can also obviously 
throw down with the best because he's he is hitting you know 40 plus percent from three yeah um, and has done so at a high clip now for a couple years so it's it's the idea of like if he's not on the magic aaron gordon would be viewed in a much different light in terms of you know his you know ranking amongst the nba totem pole it you know if you're a transcendent esque ish type guy playing in orlando doesn't matter right because like nick vucevic is like killing it right putting up 30 a game and making the all-star team again whether he should have or not you know whatever but like he did aaron gordon had somewhere between zero and none talk for making the all-star game so um you know it's like is he is he really that good is he let me put it this way is he straight up in a trade good enough to trade marcus smart if I were Boston, I would not do that deal. Okay. Because like, I feel like that is almost more like what it would take to make the deal work. It sucks because, and I say this as a form, as an Oklahoma State fan, Marcus Smart is more valuable as a player, as a wing defender, to the Boston Celtics specifically. I think if you talk to people around the Celtics organization, and I haven't because I have no affiliation with the NBA or any organization in the NBA, uh, including the Boston Celtics. It feels like Marcus Smart is maybe the most important person on that team. Not the best, but most important. Right. I mean, he he guards everybody. Plus, the offense has developed, right? Like, he, yeah. he can hit shots. Now, and he, and he can create for others, too. Right. Okay. Whereas Gordon, like, that is one thing he does not do, is create for others. And as we talked about pot or two ago boston has had a major issue of ball movement so aaron gordon not helping that no period no especially making it worse if you're taking smart out of the equation then again could gordon defend two through five you know maybe like straight up maybe whereas smart's more of like a one through four but and if that's more what you want from boston then i get it if you're wanting to kind of recreate the mook morris magic from a couple years ago i get it but yeah it just i'm hard i'm having a hard time in my in my mind getting through the it's worth giving up marcus smart or if you're not giving up marcus smart who is not starting yeah and i feel like with aaron gordon it's kind of erotic because they run running the same thing they would had with gordon hayward right Mm -hmm. like is it not that far off like i I hear that Hayward helps more with the movement, like ball movement. Gordon helps more with attacking the basket, but you know. yeah, and that's the thing is like who's not playing? Like it's almost like the Celtics have too many wing defenders, and maybe that trade helps. Like it, you get rid of Marcus Smart, and that kind of helps clarify uh, some of the some of the positions and some of the some of the lineups. But um, I, I would be hesitant to trading Marcus Smart for Aaron Gordon. I know. It'd be hard. It'd be really hard. And, and maybe it's just other teams ultimately get more involved and have better offers in Boston, whether they really want him or not, just turns into another name that floated out there. It's interesting that Houston's interested in him. I find I mean, that. And just taking a, a play on a young ish. I guess. Young. But then you're like, I feel like he's in the same position he's, he would be in. He's in Orlando with. Like you'd be playing next to Christian Wood, offensive focus big. Um, 
And I guess they don't really have the other fours that no, so like, you know, maybe so, it is more clearly defined a role there, but it's still the idea of like, you're not at the top of that team's totem pole. You're not a Jeremy Grant, essentially. You're not the center point of an offensive. You're like a secondary or tertiary um, offensive focus, I guess. Which that's cool on a good team. Less yeah. Cool. Yeah. You're probably not winning a whole bunch of games like the Orlando Magic. <laughs> uh, if Aaron Gordon's your like second best option. Anyways, uh, if you missed it, we're going to hit some. Uh, quick hit trades that happened over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Trevor Ariza gets traded from the Oklahoma City Thunder to the Miami Heat. Uh, Did Trevor Ariza ever step foot in Oklahoma City, Ryan? I think I saw him on the bench once. <laughs> okay. But he never played a game. Never played a game, which was amazing. It was like this quietest, like, I'm not playing for you. Yeah. Like, we heard about it with Andre Iguodala last year. Never heard about it with Trevor Ariza in Oklahoma City. Must have had just a really bad case of COVID, I guess. Sure. Um, anyways, uh, Ham- Hamidou Diallo gets traded from Oklahoma City to the uh, Pistons, Detroit Pistons. You'll see a theme here, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Shout uh, out to Mikhail Luke. Yeah, it was like see what that Mikhail Luke for in a second for Diallo or something yeah. like that. Um, and then PJ Tucker uh, was traded to Milwaukee from Houston. And I don't know what that essentially Milwaukee gave up like a earlier pick than what, yeah, they had. like there was like some pick conveying, and so they just kind of redid how the pick was conveying. And yeah, I think it's conveying now this year instead of later. And also, like the DJs were involved here DJ Wilson, DJ, oh, Austin, that's right, right? So going down to Houston just to make the money work here, but you know. Obviously, the only thing that really matters here is the PJ Tucker bit, because even yeah. that draft pick is not good. So, you right. know, Houston, I get why you want it, but it's not particularly a good pick. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that that kind of comes to, and it's weird seeing this Houston team just slowly fall apart. It's not even really slow. It's so much like it's just kind of dissipated, like starting to dissipate um, with all these pieces. Uh, I wonder if Eric Gordon gets dealt by the deadline, um, but that contract's kind of tough and he's yeah. been injured recently. So um, CJ McCollum returned to playing within the last couple of weeks, which is exciting. Yeah. I mean, Portland somehow been able to stay afloat, not to stay afloat, but thrive without him. So I just, same time. I just feel like, you know, if, if, for example, if the Lakers are slipping, is this opening up a spot in that three, four seed category uh, that Portland already just about there could take a stronghold on? Give me my Denver Nuggets this year. Give me, give me all Nikola Jokic and that dude and his team making a push for for that top four seed. Although respect to Damian Lillard because that dude's been playing awesome this year. Uh. Another injury, which is kind of bummer, Joel Embiid uh, went down with a bruised, what was it, like a bruised knee? I don't know. Like a bone, <laughs> bone bruise or something. I think yeah. that's what it was. Um, and he's out for at least two weeks. MVP front runner has him down. 
it seems like some of that has shifted. LeBron, there was a lot of LeBron talk, and now that he's going to be out possibly up to three weeks, the MVP conversation is starting to change a little bit. Matt, do you yeah. have any, anybody who uh, who you would throw out as a front runner as of right now? So Jokic is getting all the analytic love, understandably, and he's been wonderful. Um, but again, starting to say it on the last point, Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard. <laughs> it, it's going to be weird if Damian Lillard doesn't win it this year, <clears throat> and he might not. He may never win an MVP, which is going to be looking back at his career. It's going to be weird to look at and see that. Yeah, like he carried a franchise that really had no business being good. Like, yeah, if you look at his career accomplishments, like it feels like that guy should have maybe won an MVP at some point. Um, and Dame might never, which is, is an odd thing to think about. Like Russ has an MVP. And like I love Russ, but it just feels weird that he does have one of those. Right. I mean, right time. Yeah. I mean, he also carried a franchise for one year and it was incredible. Um, but Dame has done it at such a high level. It almost it makes you feel like if he's on one of the popular West Coast teams or on an East Coast team, mm. like how much his career would have been different. I If he would have done with the exact same players, but on the Knicks, <laughs> would have at least one by now. It's a great point. It's a great point. That would have been an awesome combination too, because Mike Breen uh, does the does constant bang. <laughs> Could you imagine that crowd in Madison Square Garden as Dame just steps across half court and lets one fly? <laughs> I know it, that that would have been the legit reason to go celebrate in the street, not beating the Kings this year. I would have become a King, uh, a Knicks fan, you know, Dame if that were the case. Again, Dame, Dame's a dude. All cap, dude. I I am. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna. Uh, it's not shameless because I don't mind admitting this. I really want Dame's OKC colorway that he made a couple Dame weeks ago. Nice it's a nice shoe. It's also a terrible homage to the team I love. But you know. Respect. Anyways, another sad piece of injury news. Lamelo Ball out at least four weeks, possibly the season with a fractured wrist. Um, that's a bummer. Rookie of the year front runner. Yeah, I mean Edwards starting to come on strong now. I don't know, forty point game, and I think like a 36, 42 and thirty six point game recently. All of a sudden, new coach Chris Finch got got Ant Man playing well, and uh, I don't get me wrong, Lamelo has been better from day one to now, but. Uh, we're only halfway through the season. There's still a half season left. And if Lamella doesn't play and Anthony Edwards does, I'm not saying he's putting up 42 or 36 every night, but he puts up 20, 25 a game, which is he's been putting up like 27 under Finch. It's hard to not give it to Anthony Edwards then. So respect to Lamello though, for what he's done this year. Mm. If you're Hornets, or if you are the Hornets, this you can't. You can't rush this, right? Right. Like, the, you can't try to make one, like, six seed for, like, this dude's future. Because, like, if he, he, you rush him back and he re-injures it or the inj- injury lingers into the playoffs and into next season, that's definitely way worse than the short-term losses that you could right. 
experience here. Um, they might just be good enough as a team otherwise to still make the 10. So they beat the Spurs the other night when yeah. without him. And, you know, the Spurs aren't amazing, but they're pretty good. They're... Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's Maybe a... Make your cake and eat it too type of situation there. Yeah. Wrestling mellow. It's still still make the playoff or play in. I think they have a couple of trades they can make to may- maybe make that happen. If um, they want. <clears throat> speaking of trades, Matt. Hey, hey. Let's get into our big topic for today. Trade season. Yes. The trade, trade deadline is March 25th at 2 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central. Uh, no, that's 1 yeah. p.m. Central, yeah. right? Whatever. I think it's 3 o'clock East. Three o'clock east, two o'clock. I don't know. I it ends two Thursday afternoon on the twenty fifth. Um, I'm pumped for this. We got some uh, thing things and uh, people and players we want to talk through about who's more likely to get tra- traded, who's more likely to sell, who's more likely to buy. Uh, who you know, all these fun questions we have around the trade deadline and what could happen going into the trade deadline. Matt, are you ready? for this yeah let's get desperate ryan (laughs) okay so this first one i think these two players have been out the longest from their team so i think this is a good place to start this topic on but my question to you matt marcus aldridge or andre drummond who is more likely to get traded so both on pretty awful contracts yes for their firing yeah uh I think it's like 24 million for Aldridge and 28 for Drummond. So both challenging numbers to trade, right? Just because it's like who has either the salary to match or the space to just take it in or an exception, like a trade exception, but you're willing to go over the cap for what is now the corpse of a Marcus Aldridge or the, you know, Andre Drummond experiment that, as we've seen, does not go well, right? So can I say neither? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so buyouts? Because yeah, there's just no way, right? Yeah, the talk has been a lot for this team is the buyout market, right? Like the these, these players are probably going to get bought out from their teams. Are these the last deals from the 2016? And, you know, that's what I was thinking, like, who who is on a bad contract, right? Like, who has any sort of contract that it can somewhat be matched, like, used to, like, match this? And, like, those Bismack Biombo-esque deals just aren't out there anymore. They've either been bought out or they've expired at this point, right? right? You only have, like, the, the bad Supermaxes now, like the Russ and John Wall-type contracts, Blake Griffin-type contract. Um, so, like, there's not this you know, easy match anymore. And with that said though, it's like, you know, is are there guys like Cody Zeller at 15 million? Yeah. But like, I don't know if you're Charlotte, for example, like we were just saying, do you want Andre Drummond? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so, but I mean, no. I guess you can do it if you really wanted. <laughs> well, that's the tricky thing too. I think with both of these guys is that, they both want to end up on contenders. Like they both want to contend for a championship. So where, uh, what championship teams, like you look at the serious contenders, like what championship teams have contracts to match it? They don't. 
Yeah. That's, uh, that's the point is they, they actually spent large portions of money on players that are worth large portions of money. <laughs> good players, right? Yeah, right. exactly. Um, and so, like, if you're looking at, like, the Lakers, I think you hear, hear rumored quite a bit with both these guys. And LaMarcus Aldridge, some back with Portland. Like, who are you giving up? You know, like, like who on those rosters are you willing to be like, yeah, I'd rather have what you said. <laughs> the washed up body of LaMarcus Aldridge or DeAndre Drummond who DeAndre Drummond or Andre Drummond, excuse me, can get rebounds, a lot of rebounds. Right. And he can, he fits a certain role. I don't know if LaMarcus Aldridge can. I'm like, and I don't like just saying this, but like Aldridge looks washed. Like he truly, like he was not starting in San Antonio there towards the end. Like it was just legitimately to the point of like, in terms of like a center, Jakob Pertl is a better center. Yep. And if we're coming off the bench, we need an energy guy that can't be Lamarcus, but he can't move and play the four anymore. So you're a mid-range jump shot finesse shooting five man with little to no defensive prowess. Like, what is that like that worth? I mean, obviously it's not worth the contract, but like even if he was just a you know complete free agent right now like you wouldn't be bringing him in for more than the vet minimum no i mean maybe phoenix like phoenix but i feel like phoenix has other young guys that could like take why would you take dario saric out of the lineup right exactly whose minutes are you taking away and even if you aren't trading for that's a great question it's like if you're not trading for these guys and adding them into your buyout like whose minutes are you taking like in let's the Phoenix example, like not taking Cam Johnson's minutes, not taking Mikhail Bridges' minutes, not taking Jay Crowder's minutes, not I mean shouldn't take Dario Sarge's minutes, not taking Aiton's minutes. Okay. So like what are you on that team? You're like the fifth big. Yeah. Not trying to go there and be the fifth big. Right. I does does Utah make any sense there for him? Because you're not taking George Niang minutes. Like, that's who you're competing with. You're competing with that second unit there. And I feel like Utah likes what it has with its backup bigs. Favors. Like Derek, Derek Favors, right. George Niang. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, they. if I were Utah, I would stay away from that. I, I could see, like, the Lakers maybe taking on LaMarcus, one of these guys, for sure. But even then, it's like, okay, what in the playoffs, are you rather – playing Andre Drummond or LaMarcus Aldridge or who they currently have on their roster, Montrezl Harold and Marcus all. Again, can my answer be none? <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, I think I would rather have Marcus all out on the floor when it, when the minutes matter, yeah. right? Like if he's healthy, um, I just, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough spot to answer my question that I posed to you, Matt. I would say Andre Drummond is the more likely to most likely to get traded, but I don't think that's going to happen either. I think both these guys go into past the trade deadline as buyout. Right. I, and I think I agree. One more thing just to mention here. I think Miami heat would be interested Ooh, in both. Yeah. Like obviously you can't take Bam's minutes, but like backup center. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Olenix played a, a pretty healthy amount for them, but also as like a starter. So um, obviously the whole Myers Leonard situation there. So 
maybe maybe Miami's a, a team there as like a fourth big. Not that they even have a third big, but as a fourth big. And so, okay, like, and that's cool and all, but like when it comes to playoff time, is Lamarcus really in the rotation there? Probably not. Probably not. Is Andre Drummond maybe, but I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't. Would Andre Drummond have enough time to learn and be able to execute what Spolstra wants? It's maybe, I mean, maybe, but it's a tough ask. Yeah, and even now, it's not like that fixes what's wrong with Miami. Like what what is keeping them from being a championship contender? Right. Um, so yeah, that's a great point there. I don't, I don't particularly love either one of these guys as a, as a trade candidate. Um, and I think you're hundred percent right there, um, with the buyout market there. So going on to this next talk, next, uh, team, we're going to switch it up here. Um, who is more likely to sell that the Warriors or the Knicks? So leading off of this, so referencing back to the last pod and, and the hard truths, I mentioned the Warriors need to be looking to trade one of uh, Ubre or Wiggins, right? Capitalize on this because they usually never have opportunities like this to capitalize on it. Some of that's like kind of a legit asset, kind of. Um, so I, I don't know if they're likely to sell. I, from what I'm hearing, it's like Ubre is available yeah they're not giving him away but he's available for the knicks when we say sell i mean if we're talking like selling alec burks sure frank nilikita kevin knox yeah maybe but when we say sell and and the knicks they're not like those level guys then i mean yeah sure i'd say they they'd almost be more likely to do something with those guys um but they'd off the top of my head, like no one in that like middle, you know, Kelly Oubre like money range comes to mind for the Knicks. Besides, like you know, Julius Randle, and they obviously can't trade him. Um, so you know, it's just like I guess the Knicks, but on smaller parts. Yeah, it feels like I don't know. I, the Knicks are so hungry to make just to be good, like just to be competent. That I would almost pick the Warriors here. Um, because they're okay knowing that they probably have that Minnesota pick coming to them with selling off some of these assets in the short term for maybe a longer term success. I, you know, I mean, I think that makes sense from the selling perspective. I think in my mind, I think what ran through it is more of like just a trade in general perspective. Yeah. I could almost see the Knicks trying to be like a buyer here. Like let's package the Burks plus Knox contract or whatever. Frank contract and let's go get, you know, another guard. I don't know what former guard Thibodeau used to coach that's available, but let's Give go. Get it. <laughs> I don't think Alec Briggs and Frank Nielke are getting it. Um, just, just my thought. Um, but like someone uh, could be out there as like, or the Knicks be out there as a buyer and someone be willing to like take on those guys. I don't know if the Knicks are willing to trade a first or not, you know, but you know, they have room. They have all the cap space in the world right now, even for this year to use. So, yeah, they have a couple of trade exceptions. I think the bigger name that's been floated around with the Knicks is Oladipo. Right. And, and, and you could definitely package something together. Plus, with that trade exception, 
to get to the Oladipo number. Um, that, that one's not hard. It's really yeah. not. It's just like, would they offer whatever it is Houston's wanting? Yeah. And Houston's got to figure that out for themselves. And maybe it's like Oladipo's rental. So like, are, what are they willing to sell to maybe end up getting him anyway, you know, in the summer? Right. If they're serious about going and acquiring Victor Oladipo, it's a tough spot to be in for the Knicks. I, I think you're right. I think they would be end up being more buyers than sellers. I think it's interesting, like, if you're looking at this team in the direction, like, what pieces of this can you sell off without compromising the whole thing um, right. and, and still make a playoff run maybe into the second round? Um and I think you're right. I think there is that like Kevin Knox, Frank Nilakita, Alec Burks type of player on the Knicks roster that you could. Alfred can, Payton also. Alfred Payton, who could net you something back. I don't know what that is. It could be a couple seconds. It could be maybe a late round first. Um, but I, I feel like there there is market for those type of players currently because they could they're essentially plug and play players. Yeah. Outside Love of Kevin usage, Knox, no volume, but essentially, I mean, like, right? They could fill at least a very minor role on on a lot of teams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's some teams who need guard, guards right now who are looking to make a playoff yeah. push. Um, so I think there's a market for that for sure. Ubre is is the interesting piece that you brought up with the the Warriors. I wonder how much the Warriors are expecting back for him. Right. It's and, like the Oladipo conversation. Like what, what are your personal expectations? Yeah. And I wonder if they're wanting another first, maybe another f- future first. I would think so. But that would be really hard to give up. I feel like. Yes. But I mean, and I'm just throwing names out there. Like, I, and who knows if Golden State's willing to trade within the West or not, but like, you know, if you're, if you're Portland, you're like, okay, another forward who can kind of create, definitely defend. What I mean, if they could tout out a lineup of, you know, Dame, CJ, Covington, Oubre, and when he's healthy, Nurkic, you're feeling great. If yeah. you could go out there with Carmelo also and, you know, Derek Jones Jr., you know, maybe you have to give up uh, Anthony Simons in that type of deal or, or, or whatnot or a Nasir Little. Okay. You know, that's fine. Maybe you have to give up Zach Collins. Yeah. I wouldn't hate that though. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's a that's an interesting. I feel like we always talk about Portland and wings because we're always wanting to get, get more wings. Uh but that's good. That's good. I like that. Uh going back to another another set of teams here. Matt, who's more likely to buy? The Grizzlies or Hornets? This is a good one because, again, coming back to the LaMelo conversation, young teams, right? Teams that don't need to make a move. Like, they should be on the organic growth pattern. Yeah. How to build a team. And both largely done it. I mean, the Hornets went out and got Hayward, but didn't seem like they had too much competition for that. So, made sense. Everyone else, though, it's effectively, you know, homegrown type guys. So if you're, let's start with Memphis. If you're Memphis, are you are you trying to upgrade Dylan Brooks? Is, is that your move? 
Like, is that is that the idea here? Are are we trying to upgrade Justice Winslow, Kyle Anderson? Um, Darren Jackson Jr. still hasn't played yet for them. The idea is he'd return post All Star break. Would still love to see it, right? I'm Valanciunas has been good. Do you feel the need to upgrade Valanciunas? I wouldn't. So, because again, no need to pay more for a center. So you're looking at more like those two, three spots: the Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, Justice Winslow, Grayson Allen minutes. Are there guys out there, Kelly Oubre type guys? Yeah, there are. Would it they make sense for that team? Yeah, but I'm not. If I'm still Memphis, I'm not trying to give up future first right now. If you could do some sort of player package and like seconds, like in, an enticing player or two plus you know a second round pick or two, I think that's like okay if you're gonna buy. But if I'm Memphis especially knowing like their market seems even less attractive than Charlotte's at this point. You can't sell first. You just can't like, that's just no way to build your team. Right. Yeah. I think it's, it's weird because I feel like Memphis has a lot of NBA guys. Like they have a lot of guys who can play competent NBA minutes. And when you start talking about not even having Jaron Jackson jr., and guys being in and out of your lineup, like what does your rotation look like once Triple J comes back? Because he's taking a large par- portion of someone's minutes. And I okay. feel like if if you're the Grizzlies, now is a great opportunity. I mean, they kind of did it last year with the Just Winslow thing, trading Jay, Jay Crowder for a, a, a project, essentially, and Justice Winslow. What's, what's a guy like that you could buy low on and, and see if he, something does come of it, you know? Like, how, what could you get for Grayson Allen? Could you go get a Kevin Knox? Like, I know we just talked about the Knicks. The Knicks have fallen out of love, obviously, with Kevin Knox. But does a new scenery, does new scenery just help Kevin Knox? And, yeah. like, he's awesome next to John Morant and whoever else you have left from that trade. Is someone, like, who's reportedly now in Hop? unhappy and Bogdan Bogdanovich down in Atlanta, like not loving his role there. Yeah. Is that someone you could go pry away for maybe not a ton, maybe not as much as he's actually worth. Yeah. Cause you still haven't like, we haven't mentioned like DeAnthony Melton. Right. The player in Memphis. They just gave him a contract extension, like a four for 36 deal. Like they want him around. Desmond Bain. Tyus right, De- Jones. God, Des- Desmond Bain has been like one of the best rookies in the entire year. Yeah. Who, I had top twenty. <laughs> um, our guy, our guy, Tyus Jones. Like, come on yeah, now. Like, there. I like Tyus Jones. Like, there's good NBA players in Memphis, and it's, it's just, I don't know. I yeah, feel like you consolidate a couple of them. Yeah, like you don't need all. Of them. Like, you just don't. You're not going to go eight to ten deep in any playoff matchup. They're like twelve deep. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, you maybe can go seven or eight deep in a playoff and you're exactly right they have like 12 guys who could all play at once um and you have some core pieces there and like jaw and triple j and i think brandon clark would be one of those core guys too he should be um so you just i feel like memphis just has to navigate that this is a good kind of charlotte's kind of in the same boat but not really 
Like they have some really competent NBA guys who are starting to develop. Yeah. Even and, with like LaMelo healthy, I still don't feel like I would need to be a buyer in Charlotte. Yeah. yeah. You know, you could maybe get in, an, in another draft before you go out and do a, you know, the popular trade floating around is Devontae Graham and Cody Zeller for Miles Turner. One, don't know if Indiana even takes that trade, yeah. but two, I, okay, you take Miles Turner. And Miles Turner is largely what we've seen from Miles Turner, which is good stats, impactful sometimes, actually on the court. We ultimately don't trust him on offense, though. Like, I don't know, would he look better next to Lamelo and Gordon Hayward? Maybe, but you know, does he fit the the five out system Borrego's trying to run? Somewhat. Is he going to be cool? splitting you know center minutes with bismack biombo and then also when they go small with miles bridges probably not and to play in charlotte for another middling east team right now that maybe could ascend higher than that but that's where they're at now and probably for the next year or so as well i don't know he doesn't sound cool with that either so you know i i don't if i'm charlotte i don't feel the need to make a move that's bottom line if, a, if an opportunistic deal is out there for a buy low situation, I get it, but I don't feel the need for an, like one of those substantial, we have to go upgrade X position. So what, let me throw you with a hypothetical here with Charlotte, New Orleans calls you. They're like, Hey, we have Drew, but or not Drew Bledsoe, Eric Bledsoe, Drew Bledsoe. We have Eric Bledsoe. We'll th- throw in a first round pick to take on his contract. Yes or no? Can can you have Terry Rozier and Eric Bledsoe on the same team? Is that is that a thing? <laughs> is Terry Rozier gonna wear a Drew Bledsoe jersey to like his Eric Bledsoe's first day of practice? Probably. So effectively, what now is now the corpse of Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> Uh, so, so you take on bad money there, right? You're essentially taking on bad contract yeah. for whatever Eric Bledsoe's contracts left. Um, I don't hate the idea there, and I'm yeah, not saying that one, like Charlotte has the ability to do it. So, right, like if you take on another first, whatever it is, it may be, you know, New Orleans may be sticking you with a Milwaukee first rounder that's not going to be worth anything. Still, first round pick. But if it's, you know, 28 and they have in whatever year. Yeah. And Charlotte has picked 17 in that same year. You can package 17 and 28 to move up to 11, 12, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So all of a sudden if you think about it that way, like, oh, we'd actually get the 11th pick ish in that draft. Like, okay, maybe that's not so bad then. And maybe like, a, you know, Charlotte asked for a further out first round pick. So it could be good. So it could be good if high schoolers and because those drafts are supposed to be deeper. I don't know. I don't hate the idea because you could play Bledsoe next to LaMelo because LaMelo has been shooting the ball so well. Um, If LaMelo's shot goes sideways or shooting goes sideways, then it gets a little dicey. But by that point, you're hoping that Bledsoe's contract is expired. Yeah. I mean, as we said before, we have no idea to do Bledsoe. Like, 
I was actually listening to the mismatch by the ringer. Um, and like, I think it was KOC, like kind of joked, like Eric Bledsoe doesn't really have a fit anywhere in the NBA. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it, it's kind of true. I don't know where to send Eric Bledsoe, but it's not working in new Orleans. We'll talk more about New Orleans later though. Yeah. I think that's just an interesting hypothetical. Like what bad team is calling Charlotte and like, Hey, take our dead money take our dead contract for you know whatever I wouldn't Bismack, hate, Bismack really Biombo. hate that um, idea i wouldn't either i think charlotte would say no though overall Probably. i think they i think they like what they have going on moving on to two players who have been um tweeted about the most maybe in the last week week and a half so john collins or kyle lowry more likely stay with their current team well, now that the Hawks are uh, an elite team, Ryan, you have to keep John Collins. Um, I think like eight and one under Coach Nate McMillan now. The um, tough loss the other night to the Clippers. I, I think, like, while the Hawks, like, they obviously want to win, right? We've talked about this on past pods. Like, the Hawks want to win. This whole Nate McMillan actually winning thing, though, has muddied the John Collins waters. Like there is no clear decision now. I think on Collins. Like, should we trade him? Should we ride this out, um, out into RFA status? Should we sign? Like, should we just straight up sign him to an extension? Like, this just made this so much harder on management to figure out what to do with John Collins. <laughs> Lowry is one though that Toronto's cratering. Lost like yeah. nine straight. We uh, saw the Athletic article come out today with. Uh, Pascal Siakam, the team finding him 50K for basically just going at Nick Nurse post game. Um, I'm saying totally undeserved, but going at Nick Nurse yeah. just wildly. And so Toronto feels like it's spiraling, and it's not Kyle Lowry's fault. Like, dude's doing all he yeah. can. Right. So, and really, that team should not be as bad as it is. It really should not this feels like Kyle Lowry being like, we're, we just don't have it anymore. The magic's gone. The, you know, the pizzazz of the championship is just not there. So I feel like John Collins is more likely to stay with their current team through the rest of this season than Kyle Lowry is. Not that Mm -hmm. I'm like Mm -hmm. very sure that Kyle Lowry is getting traded, but I feel like John Collins is more likely to stay. Matt, let me, Adrian Wojnarowski, a Woj bomb just dropped. No trade, no trade mid-pod yet. Uh, sources, Raptors discussing Kyle Lowry and Norm, Norman Powell deals on multiple fronts, and those talks are expected to extend into Wednesday and perhaps even Thursday. Philadelphia and Miami are interested in Lowry, but both have shown restraint in how far they'll go to get a deal. Beyond Lowry, Sixers have shown interest in other guards available in the marketplace, including Powell, Lonzo Ball, and George Hill, sources said. So a little nugget there. Yeah. It, it, I mean, those Philly and Miami are like the two Kyle Lowry teams, right? Yeah. yeah. You, the It also was said like Tyler Hero is like the guy Toronto's asking for. Miami is just straight up saying no. Like, right, that's just, it's a non starter. Which again, <laughs> Tyler Hero. He's he's fine. He's good. 
Listen, I it feels like Miami's window to win a championship is slowly closing more and more. Um, and they haven't really done much to expand that window. And, like, it, it's not a slander on anybody in that Miami Heat organization or on that team. But you can't tell me Tyler Heroes – you can't say no – to putting him in a James Harden deal and then say yes to putting him in a Kyle Lowry deal. I don't know. Right? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Like, you no, like, right. Like, you could, yeah, flip that. Like, we're not putting him in a Lowry deal, but we'd put it in a Harden deal, but you didn't. Um, right. Like, that's, yeah. that's just the thing is like Kyle Lowry, I mean, he's probably got this year and maybe a couple more good years left. You hope kind of like a Chris Paul effect comes right. in there where it's like he just kind of is able to sustain and do what he does and makes your team just generally better, but it's not happening in Toronto right now. So I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm cool with Miami saying like heroes off the table, but is Duncan Robinson plus Kelly Olenek on the table at, you know, ish Andre Drummond or not Andre Drummond, Andre Iguodala. I feel like Kelly Olenek. Well, would Toronto ask for Precious Achua in return if they yeah, can get here? Because, um, again, young guy, hyper-athlete, international guy, so Masai there loves it. I, that makes sense, right? Is Miami willing to give him up? I don't Probably know, maybe. And it, it's also hard to do like a multiplayer deal mid-year. Yeah. Just because then it's like, if it's not somewhat balanced in terms of number of players traveling from X to Y and vice versa, then like there's just so often not many ways to make it work without just cutting guys. And if you're kind of guaranteed deals, then you're really hurting your cap. Yeah. And a lot of teams in the NBA are, are struggling to work with the, the cap space this year. So, you know, guys like Norm Powell, or George Hill feel like more likely trade candidates than Kyle Lowry does just because the money isn't so hard to make it work. But I'm, if you're Miami giving up anything besides bam, Jimmy and hero for Lowry is probably worth it. Probably just depending on the package, I guess, but no one in a vacuum is otherwise too valuable. Yeah, I think Lowry makes a lot of sense. I think in Philadelphia almost more than those other teams because it gives them some assurance, insurance, I guess, that they could, you know, go down with one of their stars and still make a deep playoff run. Is Miami Danny just Green and Tyrese Maxey worth Kyle Lowry? Who? Danny Green and Tyrese Maxey? Is that yeah. who you said? Yeah. I like Tyrese Maxey. I like him. Does Toronto like him? I don't know, but like, throw it, throw in a first, and you got a deal. I'd say that's probably it. If they would be willing to do that, which Philly does, Philly has that available um, option because they didn't trade for James Harden. <laughs> they don't have. They have some of their picks, and yeah. I. Th- it feels like Philadelphia could make this deal, and it would put them over the top. Like it would really put them in that conversation because it bring some real championship equity to their team that they just don't have. Yes. And maybe unlock Ben Simmons a bit more in the half court, just because Lowry can figure out how to get him the ball and the spots he needs to get him the ball at, as well as 
Lowry has shown with the Kawhi, you know, situation, he'll defer when he needs to defer to Embiid. Yeah. Um, but when he needs to do his thing, he'll do his thing. Now, can he do it at as high of a level as he did then? Probably not. But can he do it still? Yeah, he can. Does he need to? Like, if you're playing on the court, if it's if your lineup's Lowry, like Seibel, I guess, Seth, whoever you want to put, Tobias, Simmons, Embiid, like He's how much are you really asking of Kyle Lowry that it's it's more finding the guys where you need to find the guys taking yeah. advantage of your situations when they come about but it, it wouldn't be forced in really any way right right it, it that feels more a, like a Toronto situation and when they won that championship than any any of the, the Miami um, situation we've talked about the Clippers have been rumored some there's no way to make that money. There's work. absolutely no way that's happening. Yeah. Like, there's absolutely zero. There's a 0% chance that like the Clippers Pat are Bev and stuff can't get that done. They can't <laughs> trade the Canard contract yet. Like there's just no way without involving a third team. And at this point to make a three team trade work mid-year is again, nearly impossible. I feel like Sam Presti would have to give the okay to the Clippers for that third team to even get involved. <laughs> Uh, and again the Clippers have no picks like they can't make right. a third team get involved without sending out something to them right and again, what are you sending out they did uh the Clippers did a little thing they traded um Fundu Cabangele um who is a first late first round pick a couple years ago true Sacramento basically just to free up a couple million in cap space and like the Clippers the are going to try yeah, yeah the Clippers and avoid are the hard cap yeah so I think like the Clippers are now like about three million below the hard cap, so it's like they could do something now to help out the guard spot, but not a lot. It's it's like perfect amount of money for a buyout guard. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. Like, there's not, especially with Lowry. I mean, he's making thirty million north of thirty million. Yeah, there's just no money that the Clippers can put together. Yeah. Like it would, there, there's literally mathematically no way without a third team. And, and I don't know, I don't know what third team would get involved. Right. Like you're saying, like, unless it's like a really bad third team, like Detroit or something like that, that's just taking on like some sort of asset. But who's, sure. who's giving out that asset? Cause Toronto wouldn't. And LA doesn't have assets to give. So, right. 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 So. It's right, let's go to the back half now of these questions. So, Ryan, who is more likely to make a panic trade? Some fringe playoff contenders here. The LA Clippers or the Milwaukee Bucks? We Bucks just already talked, got the PJ Tucker. Yeah, we just talked about them. And I think I would have to go with the Los Angeles Clippers on this one. Um, the, the Bucks feel more in control still. Um, even though they probably have the most playing on the line between these two teams, uh, because if they don't get to the finals or uh, make a serious run, like a seven game series of the Eastern conference finals, um, there's going to be a lot of questions about that organization. Maybe some people on the hot seat uh, or some people getting fired Uh, with the Clippers. We've kind of seen that already play out a little bit um, with doc rivers getting fired last season. 
And so, and I mean, Paul George is locked up. Kawhi Leonard's not locked up. Yeah, that's the thing is like he, he, all of a sudden, if he becomes a free agent in the next off season, it's next off season, I think. Opt out and become a free agent this off season. Or, Which could happen. Yeah. Or he could opt in and he would be unrestricted after that. He so. could also ask for a trade <laughs> because that's something that's not out of the realm of possibility. I don't think you'll ask for a trade. I think you'd be more likely to opt out and go play somewhere else. Right. Where that somewhere else is, I have no idea. But it feels like the Clippers maybe have another season at this. Yeah. Well, Milwaukee's been trying to run up this hill for three seasons now. And they did get Giannis to resign in Milwaukee. So you feel like maybe you've got three years ish. So kind of. I feel like I feel like Giannis still could ask for a trade. Like it sure. was a win, win for the small markets whenever he resigned. But at any given point, it's like, yeah, I don't feel like we can win here. Get me out of here. Right. And, and then it's over. Maybe Drew's, you know, knees go and Brooke Lopez isn't Brooke Lopez anymore. And, you know, just things like that happen. So I think I would say Clippers also. Also, mm-hmm. the Clippers play in the West. It's much more difficult to play in the West. Milwaukee playing in the East. Milwaukee right now, you're focusing on two teams in the East. Right. Brooklyn and Philly. That's all you got to get by. Yeah, that's a good point. I Clippers, think there's so many more teams to get by. I think the other point there with Clippers is that the Clippers can look across the the way there and see the Lakers have some things going on. They have an injured yeah. LeBron James, injured Anthony Davis, and they could definitely tuck themselves into maybe making a play for someone else um, or trying to make some kind of crazy deal to get another player and get some help in for Kawhi and Paul yeah. George. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't hate it. The idea of that now, who I could hate it when they actually do it, but <laughs> you know, in in theory, this this move, I don't I don't dislike it. Um, maybe two of these guys could be uh, some options, some in-state uh, love here. Sacramento, Ryan, just a dumpster fire. It is my kings. I hopped out back on the bandwagon. Bandwagon just lost a wheel. Not at least one, maybe two. Um, Harrison Barnes or Buddy Heald? Who is more likely to be on the Kings post dead trade deadline? I came up with this question. I don't know how to answer it. <laughs> I think it's Harrison Barnes. Really? I think. Like I said earlier. These in-between three, four guys kind of have a lot of inflated value right now. And I think the Kings talk themselves into keeping Harrison Barnes. So we've also, as kind of a a side note, we've heard Marvin Bagley has been involved in trade talks. (laughs) Marvin Bagley and Marvin Bagley's dad want him to be involved in trade talks. But as, as reported, he was offered to the Detroit Pistons. Which, as we know, the Detroit Pistons, trash. Dumpster fire. They're literally just taking talent plays on formerly highly recruited prospects. Mm-hmm. And junior amongst um, those acquired this year. They said no. It, it was straight up Marvin Bagley for their rookie wing, Sadiq Bey, who was taken with the 19th pick in this past draft. My boy. The, the Detroit Pistons told him to kick rocks. 
And if that's not telling, the Detroit Pistons told you to take your young, former number two overall pick still on his rookie deal prospect. And put play in traffic, essentially. (laughs) (laughs) Marvin Bagley has to have what? Almost no value in the league by that standard then. I mean, like, and we like Sadiq Bay, but yes. I, I mean, what do you do? I think we've seen this time and time again. Like, it, if you can't play the three out of the four, you have a position on the court, right? Like, usually it's just hard figuring that out. If you're a four or a five and you can't play the five, like, you're one position. Yeah. And obviously, Bagley defensively just cannot hold down a defense at the five. But- it, it, do, we keep bringing this up. The best offense in the league is whoever is playing the Kings that night. It's not right. even a question. Like it's it, Hassan Whiteside looks like he's totally lost out there, and that's not Marvin Bagley's fault by any stretch of the imagination. But like you can't have multiple big guys just being lost on defense. Right. It's like they have three good defenders on the entire roster. It's like Corey Joseph, um, like. Rashawn Holmes and Harrison Barnes. And none of those guys are like great. They're like good. Yeah, exactly. So and right. like De'Aaron Fox tries, but yeah, sure. I, I, I don't know what you do with Bagley at this point. So I, I bring up Bagley for the point of, okay, if the Kings can't see him as a long-term four or five there, maybe they finally gotten to that point. Okay. So then you need guys who can play the four or five. If that's someone in a draft, Great. Right. Maybe, maybe you just fully embrace the tank and go chase USC's Evan Mobley, who just wrecked Kansas last night in the NCAA tournament. Just slapped them, which was a joy to watch. Um, like, okay, like that's cool. You hope you can land him. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, or someone else, right? In free agency or something. It's, it's to the point though, where I think they love Halliburton and Fox so much that healed has become the expendable guy. And Barnes feels like the one just because of positions. And also like he does, re- like he'll retain value moving forward as well. Yeah. Um, he almost feels like the one to keep more. So at least for now, if you don't get exactly what you want, whereas healed, you can get something for healed just straight up whenever you want. You can convince some other team that they need buddy healed. And so I, I can't even tell you that Buddy Hield is a better NBA player than Harrison Barnes, but I feel like he is easy to convince teams. You need Buddy Hield. Buddy Hield will help you. Buddy Hield will put you over the top. Is he going to actually? Probably not. But could you convince the team of it? Yeah. In the right situation, Buddy Hield could be awesome. Like a shooter, like a true shooter, running around just shooting the ball. Yeah. Is that Philadelphia? Like if you swapped, but not saying this would be the trade, but if you swapped Duncan Robinson and Buddy Heald, wouldn't wouldn't we look at Buddy Heald a little bit differently? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, one he has to try on defense. Yeah. Um, which not that Robinson's a good defender, but like he tries, you know. So like, is Duncan Robinson a better shooter? Maybe I think so, but it's not like drastic by any means. So, you know, I I would I understand the point of like. Buddy Hill is not as bad as Sacramento's made him out to be. Yeah, right. Sacramento's 
just Sacramento. It's a hard place to play basketball when you lose a whole bunch of games. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I it's kind of hard to because there's so many good shooters now in the league. It's not like Buddy Yields couldn't fit anywhere. It's just hard to kind of justify his money and his contracts somewhere, right? Okay, here here's one. Buddy Heald for Aaron Gordon. Get get a shooter in Orlando because Lord knows they need someone who can shoot a basketball. Yeah. Aaron Gordon, you're the four. That's fun. Like that, that that's it. The money works straight up, one for one. Both get the refresh they need. Is it a good situation for either? Probably no. Not. <laughs> but positionally, role, it would make sense. Just throwing it out there into the universe. I like that trade. It would signal that Orlando would be trading Evan Fournier, which we haven't yeah, mentioned. Which that sounds like it's going to happen. Yeah, that's probably more than likely. Um, that's a really interesting trade. I like that. I think I like that. And I think if I were the if I were in the Orlando front office, I would say yes to that. It almost makes too much sense that like it's definitely not going to happen. <laughs> that's just how the NBA works. It's like when I pitched trading Markel Fultz to Orlando Magic a couple years ago. Just made too much sense at the time, and it actually happened. It actually happened. Right, right. All right, so go back to team focus here, Ryan. 76ers or Jazz? Two legitimate contenders. Who is more likely to make the all-in move by Thursday? I feel like we touched on the 76ers a little bit earlier, but I'm going to pick the Jazz here. Ooh. If you think the Lakers and the Clippers and the Nuggets aren't as good as you think they are and the Jazz, and you think we have the best record in the NBA right now and we've been stomping fools left and right and we can get one more player added to this thing, come on, let's do it. Like, let's let's take advantage of it, you know? Like, Donovan Mitchell is playing awesome. Rudy Gobert is playing at the height of his Rudy Gobertness. Joe Ingles is hitting like a hundred percent from three <laughs> right now. Jordan Clarkson is like peak Jordan Clarkson. Right. Like what more, like Mike Conley's awesome. Like what more could you want from this team? Like if you're going to win a championship, go all in and do it, you know, like leave all your chips on the table. Uh, a Harrison Barnes type guy or, or whatever it is. Like, I feel like if they're going to trade, it needs to be for that, you know, good sized four. That, that gives you some versatility there, like like Barnes does, um, just as an example there. They need and, another, like, Royce O'Neal type who can yeah. defend multiple positions. Right. Yeah. And, again, like Royce O'Neal, but, again, the core being, like, Conley Mitchell, Gobert, and then you pair in Royce O'Neal, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson, George Niang, Joe Ingles. Like, you just pair those guys in with those – you know, first three, just however you, you need on that night. Of all the guys we just said, you know, Royce O'Neal, while he effectively plays the four for Utah, um, six foot five, maybe. Bogdanovich, you know, he'll try on defense. He's going to get picked defense. on in the playoffs. You got to have someone yeah. who can swap like we've out seen with him. him. For sure, but this doesn't make him a great defender by any means. And then, like, I mean, George Niang knows where to be. Not a great defender, though. Right. So, 
And Derek Favor is also coming off the bench. Yep. Plotting big man. Again, knows where to be though. So there's there is value in that. I, if you can find a, a smart veteran bigger four, that that's like the move for Utah to be quote unquote all in. For Philly, like we talked about with the Lowry situation, like they have, you know, bigger opportunities they could legitimately go after, like mm, Lowry. Yep. So the Jazz is just because of like the type of move seems more likely, like just that it could actually happen. Right. Because we're talking about, you know, a $20 million or less player. Right. Philly could legitimately do a $20 million or more, more. per year player. Right. So do I feel like Philly is more inclined as a franchise to make a move? Yes. Do I feel like the Jazz's you know, target is more attainable? Yes. Take that answer for however you will. I don't know. It's it's tough because I don't. It feels like Daryl Morey. The more I think about it, it feels like Daryl Morey is the guy to just throw it all in. Right? We saw it in oh, Houston, and this seventy six er team when Joel Beat has been healthy has been awesome, and mm-hmm. it's kind of hard again to just like not go all in. Right. Get some sort of ball handler guard um, that could really help your team. Um. So could be one of these last uh two guys we're about to mention here Ooh. lonzo ball or laurie marketing i love the young guys ryan mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which 2017 nba draft pick both top 10 guys needs a change of scenery more lonzo in new orleans or laurie marketing in chicago i've been ultra critical of lonzo ball over a short career in the nba can't shoot making fun of his dumb shot jump shot. But the answer to this question is Lori Markman for sure. That dude has gotten more disrespect in Chicago than maybe any other than maybe Jimmy Butler. Like I know Lori has not been awesome, but the fact that the Bulls have just continually misused his talents has just been incredible. Whether that's under Jim Boylan, whether that was under Fred Hoiberg, whether that's under Billy Donovan, they the Bulls organization has not figured out how to use this young player. And it's been a crime. A seven-footer that can legit shoot threes, like, off movement. And, yeah, like, you can't figure out how to get him the ball on offense. Also, like, do, you, do you remember the story that he came out very displeased with Jim Boylan? Because Jim Boylan told him to get fill his touches with rebounds. Like, okay. That was a thing that was said to this guy. And, and Laurie's not a bad rebounder. He's not. But like, he's not an offensive crash, like the offensive glass type of guy. You know, like, what are we doing? Like, you got to get him like natural organic touches on the perimeter and face up opportunities and whatnot. And also, I kind of love Laurie Markin's like this year's really like, decided I'm going to throw it down on some people. Yeah. Um, like, so it, there's athleticism there too, even coming off of injuries. So is it is he is he a perfect player by any means? No. Like he has like there are real flaws to his game. Like he's not really a creator. You know, you don't love him as a ball handler, like even for himself. Like it's it's limited defensively, like one on one on the perimeter, he's not giving you a ton. But if you think like there's enough there to develop, like I would if I'm any team, I'd be taking, you know, a 
super buy low on Lori Markkinen right now. You know, you, you're going to have to pay him this summer, but that's fine. Pay him. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think like the, the market for Lori is going to be insane either. Like there's not going to be this insane price that people are coming after him for. I feel like in the right situation, Lori could really, really shine. And it's been unfortunate that the bulls have just not been able to figure it out. Like the bulls have recently benched Wendell Carter. Like they haven't been able to figure right. out any two of those big guys. And those should be like your studs going they forward. Be working well together. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And they haven't been able to figure it out at all, which has been, I think one of the biggest disappointments, disappointments with Chicago the last two seasons is that these guys, you spent high draft picks on them and it feels like, these guys are disappointing, but you really haven't given them or been putting them in the opportunity to shine and show off their skills, only show off their flaws, really. And so just real quick on the Lonzo point, I'll come back to Laurie here in a moment. I don't know if Lonzo needs a change of scenery. It, I, it would help him, I think, but I don't know if he needs it. Like New Orleans isn't a bad situation for him. Like the shot has gotten better. He's shooting like 40% from three this year. Defensively, when he chooses to now, he really is a good defender. Um, They want to get out and run. He'll run. So I don't think New Orleans is a bad spot for him. Also, don't see tons and tons of places where I'm like, oh, yeah, Lonzo Ball would be like super successful there. Like, yeah, I think Atlanta is the one that I've seen that makes sense because he can play opposite of Trey doesn't need the ball a ton, can be that right. defender and still hit threes. I think the tricky part with Alonzo is that the situation in New Orleans is not necessarily his fault. We've talked about Bledsoe yeah. earlier in this podcast. If you have another point guard or another guard playing next to Alonzo who can shoot, I think some of his weaknesses aren't as exposed, right? Mm-hmm. Um and maybe if there's a different center other than Steven Adams, like I don't know, it, it, it's kind of such a contextual thing there. And I feel like Lonzo has been given opportunities to shine. It was reported coming out of the bubble that Lonzo was not happy last year in New Orleans. Uh, and he, it looked like he kind of had given up there in the season. Yeah. It, I don't know. Some of that's, you know, I don't know what that could have been, but it just feels like Lonzo has been given more opportunities to show off his skill set than Lori has ever been given the opportunity. Yeah, and I think that's that's a big point, bringing it back to marketing is at least Lonzo's had chances. Like Lonzo's had good teammates. Lonzo's been in systems that like at least relatively made sense, whether it's Alvin Gentry um, or now understand Lori has just been in one of the biggest dumpster fires. That is the Chicago Bulls. Like, right. Like, the Bulls have been a disaster. Whether the Bulls want to admit it or not, they've been a disaster. I, you know, I don't mean to go big white European shooter here, but can can the Dallas Mavericks finagle Laurie Markin in a way from the Chicago Bulls? That would be really fun. I feel like, like I feel like Luca would unlock him a lot more than Zach Levine would. Like we see what's happening with Maxi Kluber right now. Right. It's like okay, imagine if like. Laurie Markkinen was doing that. Yeah. Kluber, a better defender, but like, you know, we can go to an all big white guy lineup. Like here we can go Doncic, 
um, which Don kind of a guard, whatever. Um, Kleba and Markinen as like your front court here. And then Richardson in the back court with whoever else, Hardaway or Dorian Finney Smith. Again, whoever you want to technically put in what position spots, because it doesn't matter anymore. Um, Like that, like that's a real thing that would like be cool. I think it would also benefit Lori quite a bit to have a point guard who like puts thought and effort into making (laughs) his whole teammates better. You know, (laughs) I think I just broke that, Uh, but I'm serious. Like look at uh, not to bring up the Suns again and Chris Paul, but like Chris Paul puts some thought into making his teammates better. Right. It's not like I'm just going to go get 35 points tonight. And that's not necessarily a knock on Zach Levine because that's what Zach Levine has had to do to make the Bulls somewhat successful. Right. Um, it just feels like he needs a legitimate point guard next to him. And maybe like a Phoenix is a great situation for him. Like Dario Saric kind of has found second legs with his career there. And maybe Laurie needs something similar where he finds a spot where he can be a backup five Um or, you know, a plug-and-play four somewhere as, like, a fifth guy, and it ends up being really good for him, you know? Like, could – would Memphis make sense next to Jaw? Yeah, I know Jaron Jackson him- is kind of that four, but if you're playing him at small ball five and then move Laurie into the four, that could kind of make some sense. a bit more, you know, expendable. Right. Uh, so, yeah, to a degree, I think Memphis would – would make sense there um would team we've been talking about a bit would charlotte make sense here it's like a low opportunity that'd be fun you're he would be playing backup because i don't i think they love miles bridges quite a bit there and then you also have pj washington but maybe you have to send one of those guys in that trade anyway to get lori right you can make it a bigger auto porter lawyer marketing for Zeller and whatever deal, or, or it's just like, I'm just thinking, you know, we're talking about point guards that get in the ball in the right spots, like LaMelo. LaMelo would hundred percent. That team is a 10 times better passing team. Like there's like five better passers on the Charlotte Hornets than I think the whole Chicago bulls organization combined probably, right now. Probably right. Which is again, real shame to Lori marketing. Because as a big, like, you are dependent upon guards about getting you the ball. Right. You just are. And when you don't have guards that care to get you the ball, you're just in a rut. And you'll just forever, like, be capped by that. Right. And, I mean, it, so much goes into that. Your effort into defense. Whether so that's, that's right. right. Lori could do to help himself out. But if you're not getting the ball on offense, like, I understand why, like, you're not going to be inclined to do other things then yeah 100 100 percent. that's a great point matt did we miss miss anybody did we t- i feel like we touched on pretty much every rumor trade trade team the important we, ones yeah we didn't talk about my oklahoma city thunder at all which is fine i, I don't think anybody's interested in hear us, hearing a, us do a five-minute segment on kenrich williams can he hustle can he hustle my boy Got to clear minutes out for Poku. Got to clear out minutes for Lou Dort. <laughs> Need more Lou Dort minutes. Dorture chamber. Did you see his block on John Wall the other night? That's incredible, right? Like, one, like John Wall is still a terrific athlete. 
Yeah. And saw Dort come up from behind and just take it. Just swat that crap away. That was like some 2K crap. I've never seen that before in my life. Like he's like a legit step behind and just rises up and swats it off the rim. That that man needs to get paid all the money. Back up the Brinks truck for him. Yeah. Anyways, moving on to the last segment of the day. Leak pass. What team are you watching this week, Matt? So I'll keep it on that last topic. I'll stay with Chicago. Jesus. One of the back will be an experiment. Two, I'm I'm continuously interested by how they use the young guys. Laurie, Wendell, Kobe White, like now like Sadoransky's st- like the starter there at point. Like I I don't know what Billy Donovan's doing, and we generally like Billy Donovan. Yeah. Not sure what's going on there. And I, I can save you like a week's worth of watching Bulls game. They don't use the young guys there. Saved you about a week's yeah. <laughs> and a couple of dumb losses. Anyways. Uh, I'm excited. I watched the Bulls jazz game a little bit last night and that game was over in the first quarter. I I really wonder if the Bulls don't make some sort of move, if they just kind of mailed in for the rest of the year, whether on Uh, purpose or on accident. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, I got this week. I'm going to watch the Grizzlies, Matt. Hey, they, uh, uh, who do they have this week? Let's see. Gave the business to my Celtics the other night. Yeah, they did. Uh, so they have the Thunder. We're recording this midweek, so this is a little different for us. So they have the th- Thunder on the 24th, the Jazz on the 26th, the Jazz again on the 27th, and then they're um, in Houston on the 29th, and then Wednesday the 31st, they have the Jazz again at home. Goodness. So I won't catch all of those games, but I'll definitely catch two of the Jazz games and one of the Thunder games. Yeah, Bulls have uh, Cleveland and San Antonio, maybe Golden State before our next pod. So, a couple very niche league pass games there. Who were the first two teams? What are the what were the first two Cleveland teams? Cleveland and San Antonio. Oh God, San Antonio is oh. fun. I like San Antonio. San Antonio is fun. Also, I remember carving up the uh, Bulls backcourt. I'm, I'm here for it. My, yeah, my... that Cleveland game might be actually close. I watched the Cleveland. I forgot who they were playing. Uh, but Cleveland was just getting absolutely destroyed by this mm-hmm. team. It wasn't close. Game was over by like the third quarter. So there was that. Thanks. Anyways. Anyways. Thank you so much for listening to episode 104. Uh, we will be back. No more all-star breaks for us. It's just push to the finals. It's push to the playoffs time. It's time time to get into as LeBron said, run. zero zero dark thirty mode. We're not turning off our social media though, so follow us there, um, and make sure you're giving us a review on the podcast uh, platform of your choice. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you back in episode one hundred and five. Yeah.